Hi guys and welcome back to the Vanessa's Voices podcast. So happy to have you guys here for this special, special episode. Today, nothing about the coronavirus. I can't even talk about it anymore. I'm so over it. Um, so this is an episode that belongs to my Strong Women series. And I'm very, very proud to have um, her on my podcast today. Her name is Sarah Raff. She's a famous fitness model. Uh, Sarah has around 1.5 million Instagram followers at this point, I think. Uh, she's super inspiring. She's on TikTok too. Definitely follow her and check her out. Sarah came on my podcast to tell me her story, her journey from being diagnosed with an eating disorder to now her recovery story. And it is amazing. And I am so excited to share her with you. I know you'll love her. We talked on Easter Sunday <laughs> amidst the lockdown. It was uh, almost midnight for me and she's in Australian time. She's, I think she's in Melbourne. And so we did have some little sound issues, but you can hear her fine. And I'm very, very happy to have her on here. Please follow her everywhere. It's at Sarah Rav. I'm going to put it on my Instagram too. And now enjoy. Hi Sarah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're so cute. Like you're just so sweet. I love your accent. I love Australians. I love your accent. Thank you. I'm German. Were you born in America or no? I was born in Germany, born in Germany, yeah. and I lived there for 30 years. I'm only here for like six years. Oh wow. Yes. But we you talk like about it today. Okay, okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have a podcast, you can ask me. Now we ask okay, okay. all about you. So you are pretty much a superstar on social media. Like you have a million, well, how much is it now? 1.3 or something? 1.5? 1.5 million followers. You're amazing. And to be honest, I think it's because you're so authentic. And so your energy just comes across as really um, truthful and sweet and positive. You smile in every picture. And I only follow you for like a few months now, but you're probably on this journey for a long time now already, just because you have such a following. How yeah. did you start? Um, well, I started as like six years ago or maybe seven years now yeah. when I was in year nine in high school. And um, I started it because, well, Instagram just started at the time. And my friends, I was really into working out and um, like health and fitness and eating healthy. And so my friends were like, hey, you might as well start like Instagram, this new and coming, like up and coming thing. You should try it. And I was like, mm, okay. So I just started it as a hobby and I started posting like um, just like fitness tips and quotes and like motivational posts and stuff like that yeah. and workouts. And then it sort of just blew up. But then about a year ago or maybe two years ago, I went through a really, really tough time myself. Um, I went through like my own sort of like life changing event. And then I was like, well, hang on. Now I have a story to share. Maybe I should use my platform to do that and help others instead. And so then that sort of took off. And so I started posting more about myself. When I'm around others, all I want to do is make sure they're happy. So I feel like that sort of comes across in my page. Because like I would never post a photo of myself not happy because I don't want to make a follower look at that and then feel unhappy as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that comes across. Um, 
So you just uh, touched a little bit on that. You had a really mm -hmm. rough time a few years ago. Um, my channel is all about that. I started it also because I went through depression. I wrote a book on depression yeah. and I've been, I have had an eating disorder. I've been through all this bullshit my whole life. And then yeah. as soon as I started sharing it, the universe shifted and I felt like I found my calling and it was this yeah. like really warm fuzzy feeling this like oh this is my purpose I really want to help people and I grab them where they are in their dark in their darkness mm. because I know that so we I think we can relate on that so do you want to maybe yeah. talk to us about what happened and yeah yeah so well like I said um I was really into health and fitness since like year nine and stuff and so it probably started all the way back then you know like you as a as a as a young girl growing up in society today you know you're bombarded with messages of how you should look what you should eat, how you should train. And so that's obviously been drilled into my mind. But what happened was two years ago, I was going through a really tough time um, because I was like, I was moving out of house, um, out of the house. I was, um, you know, uni was really hard. And so what happened was I was, I just felt really, really out of control. And what happened oh, um, as a way for me to cope with that, I, for, I drilled down on my food and I drilled down on my exercise and it got to a point where I was running like 14, um, like 20 kilometers a day mm -hmm. and I was eating less than 400 calories mm -hmm. and I just was unhappy. I was, you know, I was running until my feet bled. I was just constantly hungry and I had lost so much weight that I had to go to, oh, I had to be admitted to hospital. Um, and then from there, they diagnosed me with an eating disorder, um, anorexia nervosa. And so that sort of woke me up to, you know, my mindset, obviously being wrong and um, being very, very rigid around food and exercise. Um, and then since then, it's just been sort of recovery and helping to spread awareness, helping to spread my message and helping to spread hope because there obviously is recovery and, you know, you can get better from it and you can start to enjoy life again. So, yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you? I have um, experiences with that. I've restricted my hmm. eating for probably three decades. Um, now, not anymore, but it's a very young yeah. feeling for me, but it's very, it's very new. Um, so I'm very familiar with that. I've never been underweight. Yeah. I always talk about how, Many people that look very normal and have a normal weight can still struggle from eating disorders and ruin their lives. Yeah, because I'm a medical student as well. I'm studying psychiatry as well, right? And we know that, like, as in, like, I mean, I know that not just, not just as, um, not just having been through it myself and learning about it, but like, yeah, you can have disordered eating and be a totally normal weight. You can have disordered eating and be overweight because you use food as an emotional tool. Like there's binge eating as well. That's still technically an eating disorder because you use food in a way that's not the way, you know, you don't use it to nourish your body. You use it as an emotional outlet. Right. And so I think that's a really, really misconception that to have an eating disorder, you have to be like, super thin yeah like, i think um especially right now when we're in this lockdown i'm talking about that a lot but it's an addiction and it helps it's it's oftentimes not about how you look but it's about control and trying to it is. control over 
something you feel helpless or right now in lockdown? Oh, absolutely. For me, it wasn't about weight loss. You know, people, and that's why I always said, I was like, in my head, I was, I was like, I don't have an eating disorder because I don't care about weight loss. Like I didn't weigh myself. I didn't care. It was because I was, my life was sitting out of control and I just needed to grasp onto something yeah. and gain control of something. Anything that I can control was my food and exercise. Right. So, you know, I pushed myself. I said, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't about calories. It was like, it wasn't about eating to lose weight. It was, you ate 400 calories yesterday. So do it again. And if I didn't do it, it wasn't, oh, I'm going to gain weight. It was your failure. Like in my head, I didn't care. It, it wasn't, I wasn't worried because I was going to gain weight. In my head, it was, you failed. Right. You had one thing to do, which was control your food and you failed. You ate more than that. And so then the next day to punish myself for it, I'd eat less. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. It was just control. hundred percent. Absolutely. So it oftentimes comes with people that are perfectionists. That's, that's what I would unfortunately still call myself. Yes. Yeah. Would you say that about yourself too? hundred percent. I was, you know, like I like, okay, so I don't know. I don't really tell many people this, but um, in Australia, we have this grading system when you graduate high school and it's a mark at like, they rank you across, they rank you um, according to how well you did compared to everybody else in the, in Australia mm-hmm. who graduated that year from high school. Mm-hmm. And the highest mark you can get is 99.95. Because it's out of like 100%. So nobody can get 100%. But the highest you can get is 99.95. Mm-hmm. I w- woke up that morning when they released the results and I got 99.9, <laughs> which is not the best, but the second best. Wow. I spent the whole of that week crying yeah. because I missed the best. I was second best. And now I look back after having gone through everything and I'm trying to control that perfectionistic tendency. And I'm like, what were you crying about? You are the second best in Australia and you are crying. Do you know what I mean? But at the time, it was, I failed. At the time, it was just, I failed. I didn't come, I had put all this effort into coming first. But I feel like now I have, now after having been through everything, I sort of look at things in more the long term. And it's not about right or wrong. It's about you did the best you can do. Right. And so you have to be proud of yourself for that. Yes. I think for us or for people that have that perfectionistic um, outlook and that attitude towards us, we need to work hard or be perfectionistic about winging it. You know, this yes. attitude of like letting it go. It's like yep. doing our best. Who cares? That's actually healthy for us. For some people that are more maybe late, not lazy, but more in a different mindset, they have hmm. to push themselves. But I think for us, it's, we have to push ourselves to not push ourselves. Not push, yes. Yeah, that was yeah. a total rebellion for me to realize that. And when I had my son, that helped me because I had to let go. So Yes, and I, yeah, I've heard about, because um, again, we learn about this in psychology, um, psychiatry yeah. in men. And apparently, like a lot of women who are like us struggle the most or have the highest rate of postnatal depression because so used to controlling things in their life but as soon as you give birth everything's out of whack because you yeah. can't control it you know like um and it just like it drives them crazy because they're so used to controlling but i'm glad that you know it sort of taught you i was so 
obsessed with that kid and I wanted him to have the most available mother. So all this yeah. other stuff that I was consumed with before, I was like, this is complete chaos. I cannot control anything. I also gained 90 pounds. No, I gained 70 pounds in my pregnancy, which was like for someone with an eating disorder, which was terrible because yeah. I was really sick and bedridden. And so I had nothing under control. And it was a blessing because it taught me I'm still alive. I still breathe. My yeah. child loves yeah. me even though everything is a complete mess. And that taught me that perfectionism is the real enemy and not myself or my shortcomings, you know? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and I think even now, like with all of this happening, it's really, it's, it, it's, it's definitely brought flashbacks because I feel that same loss of control. Yeah. But I also know, I, I can also see how far I've come because right. when, I, when we found out we had to go into lockdown, I spent that whole day, I, like, I couldn't sleep that night because I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But then I thought about it and I was like, well, look, like it's, think of it, it's like six months max of your life. People go for longer than that without going to the gym. People can't afford the gym. There are people dying out there, you know, like you put it into this perspective and you're like, it's not going to hurt you. It's all about perspective and it's all about doing the best you can. So now I work out at home and I know it's not the same as what I'm doing at the gym, but I just tell myself, Hey, you're doing the best you can Mm -hmm. with what you've got. And you have to be proud of yourself for that. Yeah. Yes. So how do you keep that under control with the working out? Because I do have to, Mm. with myself, I have to always be, I cannot be on strict diets. I cannot constantly work out because I um, have the tendency to then obsess about it. So I would rather not be as fit, but, healthy so how how do you well for me i don't do any cardio so for me working out is purely because i love lifting heavy and i like the strength and the confidence that it fills me with right um and so i recently started a um power lifting program that one of my friends has designed for me and so it actually completely changed my mindset because when you power lift you're you are focused on the weight how much weight you're lifting, not your own weight, but how much weight you can lift. Yeah. And so what happens is um, my trainer, his name is Josh. He's a good friend of mine. He will set, you know, on Monday, the first week, you squat 60. On Monday, the next week, you have to do 65. I'm like, I need to get to 65. I need to be strong enough. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, if I need to be, to get strong enough, I need to eat enough, fuel yourself so that you can hit the weight. Mm-hmm. and that's true, completely yeah. sort of changed things yeah yeah so the trainer uh, writes your program and he controls what you're doing yeah and so then that way you can't go overboard and you don't have to control yourself it's you let somebody else do it because they know what's best for you yeah, yeah. No, I like that so how did you go from your own recovery to then getting so healthy that you want to share and that you want to inspire and that you feel strong yeah. to do that Um, so it was terrifying at first. Like when I was first diagnosed, I was just so like ashamed. I was like, Oh, I'm so like, I was like, I'm so weak. It's my own fault. I did this to myself, but then, um, you know, and I didn't want to share that on Instagram because I thought my followers would blame me Mm -hmm. and they would be like, they would think the same things. But then one day I was like, look, I've come so far. Um, you know, I started at um, 30 kilos, 30 kilograms with a BMI of 10. 
Oh my God. Got to 49 kilos with a BMI of 18, finally. So just within the normal range. Mm-hmm. Um, just for anybody who doesn't know, a BMI of 18 or less is underweight. So I was from 18 to 10. After I'd done all that, I was like, hey, I've come this far. I'm, I, I need to post about it because I need to show myself how well I've done. Mm-hmm. And when I posted about it for the first time ever, and the first time I ever said, Hey guys, I actually have been diagnosed with an eating disorder. My followers went crazy with support. Yeah. Like that post got like maybe a hundred, like a hundred times more comments and likes than any other single post I'd done. And they were all like, good job. You know what I mean? Like good job for where you've come for admitting it, for telling us about it because it's hard. Good job for, you know, recovering and coming so far and for doing it and not a single person blamed me you know not a single person said well hey it's your own fault you got to that point not a single person said wow you're so weak sort of thing like how did you even get there and it's very much the same like as in if you and now now that i have a better understanding of it and mental disease it's like you can't blame it's the person you can't call them weak because it's the same as like blaming somebody for getting cancer yeah and it's an addiction and addiction is just yeah a craving for connection and to gain control over some kind yeah. of other issue and i yeah and it's sad that we we do think people will judge us that's already a part of the problem within us yeah. right but yeah you were so- stigma yeah yes it's a big thing yeah. and i'm really glad that people are especially online and especially with our generation people are becoming a lot more open. Yes. But at the same time, I feel like it's very focused around eating disorders and depression and stuff like that. But there are still heaps of other um, like mental health diseases that people still shy around. Like if you say like schizophrenia, people think, Oh, they're psycho. But like, it's the exact same. Like it's not their fault. Right. So yeah, you're right. Well, we are different generations. So I think you're 21, is that right? 22. 22. Um, I'm 36, so I'm a different, close enough. I'm like a yeah, close enough. I'm like an old no, or a, yeah, an old millennial, I think. And in I my, don't know what the generations are. I don't. I'm, I, I, I'm I, cut off, I think. So yeah. so millennials are actually supposed to have all this depression, but we were really not that big in talking about it at all. Yeah. For me, this is still a big taboo. So for me, it still feels weird that I talk about it. But you, oh, guys, yeah, yeah, you guys are way better about it. Um, yeah, and I don't know if it's also because I've got a good group of friends who are very open about it, and we, you know, we check in on each other daily. Like especially with this whole coronavirus thing, we're like, "Hey, are you okay?" Yeah. But um, I know that like definitely like my brothers and stuff, they probably wouldn't be as open to talking about it as I am. So there's still that's a great the the young people and the new generations are always better than the old ones. So like you guys have to just keep going and in 10 years, you know, all the other mental illnesses are probably also gonna be be talked about um just like anxiety is now or eating disorders. You know, even eating disorders are so hard to talk about. For me it's also hard to talk about because there'll always be people that look at us being like, oh they're vain. They just want to look good. Just want to look Why don't you just good. eat? Stop caring about how much you weigh. Yeah. It's nothing like that. It's not like that at all. No, it's not. So 
did you find out, did you go to therapy or did you find out where that need for control comes for you? Um, so I did, I, so I, um, for my recovery, I saw a GP, a dietitian, a psychologist, and we were, I worked with them for a while, but my, with like the need for control is, it's an internal drive. And it, like you said, it comes from the perfectionistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. My parents, they, they, they never really worked to the same extent that I did. They sort of grew up with they needed so they didn't feel like they needed to work as much mm-hmm. or work hard um and so for me so that was when they grew up in malaysia because our like our families are quite rich over there oh, okay. but then we moved to australia the you know the um, money exchange rate is like three times greater in australia so mm-hmm. basically we came to australia and we were not well off right we struggled mm-hmm. we struggled financially um, and I was new, I had an accent, like my friend, not my friends, but people at school thought I was weird, different. Yeah. And we, so we struggled and I grew up watching my parents constantly fight about money, about things like that and about being able to afford stuff. And so that drilled into me, uh, Hey, I need to be the best. I need to earn as much money as I can. Mm-hmm. I need to study as hard as I can. I need to get the best marks so I can get the best and then from there, it sort of just grew. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So did you choose the medical field or did, did your parents like push? It? My parents have never pushed me to do anything. So they're like, do what makes you happy and everything. So I actually chose to do medicine because I wanted to, um, when I was younger, um, when I was in high school, my grandmother um, was with Alzheimer's disease. Um, if anybody knows what that is, that's um, dementia. And that's basically, it's a, you watch the person that you love and that you know very well deteriorate before your eyes over the years. And, you know, they lose memory of who they are. They lose memory of who you are. And essentially they can't feed themselves, can't go to the bathroom. And it's really, really sad to watch. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for something like that there's not much you can treat it with so it's not like you can cure the disease um and so for me that was really hard to watch because i didn't know what was going on and so i thought i wanted to i want to be a doctor so that i know about every single thing that can harm the people i love and so that i can know about it and like treat it and just yeah um sort of stop it from happening even if possible mm-hmm. um so that was where i started to want to do medicine and then especially after all i've gone through i'm so glad that i am doing medicine because it just lets me it's gonna let me help as many people as possible yeah and with your story especially well yeah um it was a really hard time for me though because i think when i was in hospital especially they're very, very strict on how they treat eating disorder patients. And I personally, especially with the medical background, found it very, very confronting. And it almost put me off medicine completely. Mm-hmm. I was like, if this is how they treat their patients, I don't want to be a part of this at all. But um, then I thought, well, hey, I should be a part of this so that I can change it for future patients in my situation. Yeah. And so, yeah. 
What was um, the number one thing that you found um, maybe too aggressive or maybe too restrictive or? Yeah, right. So basically um, what they do um, when you're an um, eating disorder inpatient is they don't let you walk. So they think that when you walk, you're doing it because you want to lose weight. You're doing it because you want to exercise. Mm -hmm. And remember, every different every patient is different. Some people might do that. But remember from me, it was never about losing weight. Mm -hmm. It was about it was about um control. So mm -hmm. I would not walk to lose weight because that's not what I was thinking about. But the problem is because in their mind they're like, she has an eating disorder, it must be this. This must be why she's doing it. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't let me. And what I'd have to do instead is if I wanted to go to the bathroom, I'd have to sit in a wheelchair and I'd have to take my clothes off because obviously you can't go to the bathroom without with clothes on. And they would wheel me across the wall and they'd leave me in the bathroom until I was done. But sometimes the nurses would get busy and so I'd just have to sit in the bathroom for half an hour until they remembered that I was there. And then they'd have to wheel me back. Yeah. So... Like coming from like, I was maybe 19, 20, I was 20 at the time. So I was pretty independent, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like an adult, I was living by myself and stuff. And so to have to do that, um, it's just like humiliating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I understand why, because they're really concerned that patients like me are, you know, getting out of bed, jumping, doing star jumps so they can burn calories. But at the same time, it was just very, very, very like degrading. Yeah. Did you have a feeding tube or? No, no, I just, because I, it was never about weight loss. So when they diagnosed me, I was like, well, heck, I'm thin. I need to eat. So I was on board with the recovery from day one Yeah. because before that, I didn't realize I had a problem. But as soon as I realized I had a problem, I said to myself, you need to fix it. And obviously, it's harder than that. It's, you know, it was still a struggle every day, like watching the calories go up and stuff. But at the same time, I was like, I have to do this because I need to get better. Yeah. I know that I need to get better. If I want to be a doctor, if I want my future, if I want a future, I need to get better. I was in a bad place, but that was the reason that I became too controlling in the first place. Mm -hmm. I knew that my body was so low that my brain didn't have enough fuel right. to food. And if I wanted to feel good, I have to get better first, as in put on weight first. Right. Yeah. So your um, strength that initially maybe led to something destructive then also helped you getting the inspiration back to get better, oh, right? For sure. Like, because I knew I was like, Basically, I knew I was like, if you want a future, if you want to be the person that you want to be, then you have to get better. So in that sense, my, the thing that put me there was also the thing that got me out. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Um, so I'm very proud of you. I, I think your, your journey and that you shared online is so looking from the outside in and having been through a little bit of it, not, not to the extremes, but I think if I would have had social media back then. I don't know if I would have been so diligent and so motivated to do that because it is such a struggle. So I applaud you for, for sharing and for helping. But I do want to ask you, how, how does social media play 
into all this, you know, because you do see these people, you do see people who are thriving and acting like everything's perfect and like their lives are perfect. And, you know, sometimes it does trigger us, right? In our perfectionism, mm. in our um, control. I think that social media initially probably was a big part of why I developed it in the first place because I always used to compare myself to other people. I'd always say, um, like I'd always post, like if I posted a photo of myself, this is way back before I even had the disorder. Um, I'd post a photo of myself and then I'd look at how many likes it got. And then I'd go to, you know, another fitness models page and have a look at that. And then she'd get more likes than me. And I'd be like, well, why does she have more likes than me? Like, is it because she's prettier than me? Is it because she's fitter than me? And that obviously plays a big part in it as well. Um, but at the same time, especially nowadays, I feel like social media has been one of my greatest helps mm -hmm. in getting better because, like I said, the support was overwhelming. And that was one of the main things that kept me going when I had hard days, like when I um, didn't want to do it. And I was like, Ugh, I don't like as in like when I when I get the feeling again to restrict yeah. Or when I get the feeling again to over-exercise, right. you know, there's always just, I just have to scroll down into one of the, to my, like my comments and there will be at least one comment being like, you are thriving, you are glowing, you look so healthy. And that just, that reminds me, you know, that pulls me back to reality. And I think, and it makes me think I am thriving and I can't go back to the way I was because even though it might make you feel better for that brief second, because it's an outlet, it won't be helpful for you in the long term. And so, so social media has been one of my main sort of protective factors in mm -hmm. recovery. The other thing as well is that nowadays with social media, there's so many good, positive, helpful accounts out there. Like I follow so many mental health accounts that promote mental health, give reminders of how to look after yourself, how to relieve anxiety. And so I've following all the people that I used to compare myself to and I've stopped following the people that make me feel bad about myself. And it's not their fault, you know. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They get lots of likes. Good for them. You know, I'm glad it's working for them. I do not wish any bad luck on them or anything. It's amazing for them. But I know for me to look after myself, I need to follow people who are genuine, who right. are down to earth, right. who share, and who really, really put mental health first. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So and um, that's why I follow you too. Yay! Yeah, I know. No, I I think it's um it's an interesting platform. I'm older, so for me, I I never went through this comparing stage. I never went through this. Yeah, I don't you know. Didn't have social media when you were younger, no. like you didn't have Instagram when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I feel I feel for you guys who had to grow up with that because as a, when I was a teenager. You compare yourself to everyone in your school, in your city, in your friend group. And now thinking I have to compare myself to the entire world. Oh my gosh. I don't know how I would have handled that at all. So heads off to anyone who has to go through that, you know. There are many pros and cons about. You can use it for good. You can use it for good. We're trying to use it for good. I want to quickly touch on how the situation right now in Australia is with, with COVID because I think you guys are a little bit behind the curve compared to here. And then, and then, mm. then I want to know all your goals for when the world opens up again. My goals? Yes. Um, I want to go back to med. 
I've been off, they've taken us off placement because they're, they're worried that, but basically they, they don't want us in the hospitals because we're not essential. So the more people they have in the hospital, the higher the rate of transmission. So I've not been on placement for three weeks and I miss it. Yeah. I just, I miss being in the hospital with my patients yeah. or with patients, chatting to them, yeah. working with the team. So that's my number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I want to do is um, obviously um, like go back to the gym, but again, I'm not going to go back and like, I know that I'm not going to go back and go overboard right. to make up for the time that I've missed. Yeah. If anything, if anything, this quarantine has taught me that I need to cool it down a bit because yeah. now that I've worked out, I'm not working out as intense. I feel a lot better during the day and that like, I'm not sore in the morning and stuff like that. And it really does help. So if anything that's taught me, I'm going to go back to the gym, but I'm going to take it easier. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, do you deal with any kind of anxiety thinking about all this? Oh, um, it scares me, but it also, the other day, oh my God, I was so emotional. Like yeah. I was fine in the car. And then I saw this old man running across the road, like full on sprinting across the road. He was old and he looked quite unwell oh. to catch the bus. Yeah. So he had to, he was running because the bus was leaving and he was like, no, wait, wait for me. And I just broke down because in my head, I was like, oh my God, there are so many people out there who are struggling so hard right now because of the quarantine, because of the virus. And so I, it hits me sometimes like that in waves and I worry. And I also worry about all my doctor friends made in the hospital, like, because they're on the front line. What if they get sick? What if they die? But at the same time, I know that in Australia, we have it a lot easier. And it actually terrifies me what's happening over in the US, mm-hmm. especially in New York and stuff. You know, it's it's terrible. But at the same time, again, it's like out of my control. So it's not anything that I can... It hasn't affected me personally yet. We, thank God. But at the same time, it hasn't really hit home yet, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it totally makes sense. I think I'm, we're on a roller coaster of emotions. Like sometimes I'm really not thinking about it that much but I'm a very much an anti-homebody so the fact that I can't go outside and just go on to the beach or just be outdoors is is, I think for me personally the hard part and um yeah it's a roller coaster of emotions but I'm trying to collaborate and connect with as many people as I can throughout the day not just for my sake but also for my clients for my podcast guests sake I think that's the time of connecting. Like now is the time of sharing our fears and connecting with whoever you want to, like I think of so many people before I go to bed and then I try to really talk to all of them throughout the day, not just for myself, but also just to create some kind of network of support because you never know who's falling through the cracks right now, mental health wise. And so I think it's the time to, to, to double down on connection and not to, to isolate or, you know and absolutely and for me you keep keep your mind off it keep yourself i'm keeping myself busy up to date with my studies i'm working walks with my mom um because we're allowed to walk in australia but that's all you're allowed to do it keeps me busy and it keeps my mind off it yeah so i don't think about it too much because going to news googling 
latest coronavirus news and then I hear about all the deaths. I hear about all the, the global recession that's going to happen and it makes me so much more upset yeah. than if I hadn't thought about it. But at the same time, I also understand that it's okay to feel anxious and it's okay to feel down at times and you have to accept those emotions. Mm-hmm. Like you can't always just push them to the side. Right. But um, you don't have to dwell on them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a tough time for everyone. This will pass and we'll come out of it stronger. What do you do nowadays when you get these triggers or when you get these self-doubts or when something when you have when you already wake up in the morning and you feel like you're gonna have a bad day are there certain routines yeah follow is there any any kind of secret or tip that you can share that um gets you in a better mindset yeah um so like i said actually with my perfectionistic tendency the one thing i found that helps the most is to remind yourself that it's all about the long term And it's all about doing the best you can. So when I wake up in the morning and I don't want to go to the gym, I think about and I think, am I doing this because I'm ticking off a checklist in my head that says I need to do it? Or am I doing this because I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Fills my life with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And if it's not because I enjoy it and because it makes me feel strong and it makes me feel confident, then I think, well, you would be doing a better thing for your health if you took the day off yeah. and you listen to your body. And then I don't feel guilty about it because I know I'm human and I'm allowed to do that and I'm going to live for maybe 80 years or so and one day off for my mental health is not going to hinder my physical health. Mm-hmm. It's the same with studying as well. I would... In the like in high school, I would study for nine hours a day, and if I didn't, I'd feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, if I want to take thirty second, thirty minutes off, if I want to, if I want to have a whole day to not study, it's not make you any less smart in the future. If anything, it's going to reinvigorate you, energize you to study harder the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very much about realizing that we are human and realizing that it's a long term solution that we're going for i love that i really love that i think that's you can beautifully relate that to everything we're going through with the slowing down of life right now and Mm. so thank you so much that was great um do you have anything that we can promote on here first of all your instagram account is at sarah raff yeah sarah raff i've got tiktok i really really like tiktok and um I'm using that a lot to talk about mental health as well. Like um, I'm doing a lot of how to be grateful, how to relieve anxiety, um, especially because I know the demographic on there is a lot younger and um, these people, these young teenagers are at the greatest risk of being affected. Um, yes, for all fitness, um, health tips and fitness tips at home right now where you don't, we can't go to the gym, all that stuff is on your Instagram. I love your TikTok videos. I love your Instagram. I think you're a beautiful person inside and out. I kind of already knew that, but now it's uh, confirmed now that I met you. I hope one day we can <laughs> in person. You should come to California or I come to Australia. Oh my God. I am dying to go to California. Like as soon as it's over, this is my next trip. Where yes. Come here. Uh, as soon as the beach is open, we have like a workout session or something. That would be really cool. I love Australia too, but oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do it again. 
But um, I love Sydney. I lived in Sydney for like a few months. I'll take you to brunch. I'll take you to all my favorite places. You also have the best come, brunch come down. For anyone who wants to um, look at beautiful food, like that's also your account. It's not just like health and fitness. It's also just like yummy food. Um, yeah, so you're overall very inspiring, very uplifting. So like today, I find so yeah, I, um, I I wish you I wish you the best of luck with everything with your studies. Um, I'm not worried about that. I think you're gonna be a rock star in whatever you choose to do, and good luck with your social media. Um, and thank you for coming on. I think you are very inspiring, you. and I really enjoyed that right now. Thank you for having me. And like I said, um, it's always good to connect with other people who either have gone through the same thing or who are willing to speak about it because I think the more we speak about it, the more we can help others. And that's sort of why, like, when I think about how much, like, shit I had to go through and how hard that time of my life was, I don't feel bad. I don't resent it one bit. You know, I never, ever say, why me? Because I know why me. It's because... By sharing my story, I can help others and that makes it worth it. Like, I don't care. I'd go through it 10 times again just so that other people don't have to. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. You're it means amazing. a lot for you. Let me share that. Yes, of course. Um, thank you so much. I wish you that you guys in Australia stay spared a little bit. Um, well, we hope so. That's why we did, you know, had our quarantine and everything so yes. early. But you never know. We never know. And yeah, stay home, stay safe for now. Um, and I wish you the best. You and we're going to check in again when the world is open again. Maybe we can collaborate on something cool one day. We'll do a joint person. podcast. We'll both be in the same room. Yes, exactly. And have like some brunch or whatever, something fun. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Have a good weekend. Oh, and happy Easter. You too. Bye. Bye, sweetie.